Okay, if you'll take your bulletins, you'll find the outline for the sermon in there. (laughs) We'll have prayer and go home. There's no sermon outline, right? Okay. Before I get started in sermon and tell you what passage, I want to tell you and remind you that the offering that Haley was speaking about earlier, the uh, offering cards, I mean envelopes, are in the chairs. If you'll see in the pockets in the back. So all you have to do is you have, you just reach in there and pull one out. We even made it in, uh, you know, it's in Spanish and English. So, you know, uh, we won't cover all. We don't have German. We'll let uh, Haley speak German. Uh, Greek, uh, we'll let some rips. No, Hebrew, uh, riff, uh, Greek, I don't know. And then we'll, yeah. <laughs> and then we, uh, we'll let uh, French, who can do French? Uh, they can share that. Okay, French right here. And anybody else? Okay, I want you to turn to a passage that you're familiar with, or should be. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ah, how many were in Sunday school this morning? Yes, how many studied from Ecclesiastes, part of it, chapter 11, and also chapter 12? Well, we're just, we've been going through Ecclesiastes on Sunday evening, and I decided this will be for the church this morning. Uh, We really need to focus in on this passage. It's verses 1 through 6 of Ecclesiastes. Don't just sit there. No, that's the title. Don't just sit there. Cast your bread on the surface of the water, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven, or even eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth, and whether a tree falls towards the south or towards the north, Wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how the bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, with this we know that we cannot accomplish what we need to accomplish this morning without you working and being very present in our lives as far as us allowing you to do whatever you want to do. We serve a God that doesn't force himself upon others, who doesn't open the eyes unless we so desire as you're working in our hearts to allow you to go further. We have a God that cares, that doesn't give up though on us, and we thank you for that. And so now we just ask that your grace and its sufficiency, as you tell us it is in your word, 
sufficient for all things. We, we just ask that it be sufficient and it show its sufficiency this morning in the service. That you will work a work in our lives that needs to be done. And especially as a church that you will challenge us. So just anoint this time for your honor and your glory. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was an old fella, or maybe a fella that was getting older, who loved to play golf. He was near 80. But he had a problem. The problem wasn't playing golf. He was pretty good at it. The problem was his vision was rapidly going away. And that causes a problem playing golf because you play with a little round ball and you have a hard enough time finding it uh, if you've got good eyesight. Especially if you play golf like me and I play military golf. Right, left, right, left. You know, in the woods all the time. But this guy... You know, he, he was pretty good at hitting it straight down the middle, but at times he faded it, at times he hooked it, times he sliced it. And so he, uh, you know, he was just about ready to give up, and the, these young golfers saw him, and they played around with him, joined up with him, and, and they had a good time. And they said, we'll, we'll do you a favor. We'll be your spotters, plus we'll be your partners, and we'll just meet every uh, weekend and, and we'll play golf with you well for some reason or another whether they went to play somewhere else and didn't let them know or whatever he went to the golf course and as he was standing uh, at the door waiting on them and standing in the clubhouse uh, he became very fretful and, and discouraged and and upset because the other golfers didn't show up and it was a beautiful day a great day to play and so this older gentleman, older than him even, uh, came into the clubhouse and, and he was uh, getting ready to uh, get him a snack or something. And, and he looked at the, this gentleman uh, waiting and he said, uh, what's the problem? I see that you're upset over something, aren't you? And he said, yeah. He said, uh, the guys I usually play golf with, he said, they didn't show up. And he said, well, what's the problem? You can go and play. He said, no, I can't. He said, my eyesight's getting to the point where I just cannot spot the ball that well and he said I'll tell you what I'll ride around with you I don't play golf but I'll ride around with you and he said I will be your spotter he said I want to tell you I've got 20-20 vision and I see like a hawk I mean uh, I know and I can keep my eye on the ball and I'll just help you and he said okay so they went out and the guy got out of the golf cart on the number one tee and he was warming up and stretching and everything and he got his clubs club out the um, driver and he walked up and he put his club down he pulled out the ball out of his pocket with tea and he put it in the ground picked his club up and stepped away looked got behind him saw he could see the fairway and so he got behind him and swung a couple times and uh, behind his ball and then you know he got dressed the ball and got ready to hit and whoom hit it I mean it went straight down the fairway it was just rolling and rolling and rolling. And the guy turned to him, you know, and he didn't see it, though. And he said, did you see where my golf ball went? And the older guy, the spotter, he replied, I saw it all the way until it stopped rolling. It just kept on rolling. He said, well, where did it go? The older man, the spotter, he paused for a minute and he said, I forgot. <laughs> 
Even our best laid out plans don't always work, do they? I mean, that's reality. We all have to face it every day, whether we're older and we're losing our sight or, or, you know, losing our mind. But how do we live confidently? This is the key, and this is what the preacher seems to be focusing in, on to, uh, in this passage. How do we live confidently and boldly when we're not sure things are going to turn out? Now, people, we don't have control over everything, do we? We'd like to, but we don't. How many in this service has failed at something and maybe failed numerous times and then decided to play it safe by not doing anything at all but sitting on the sideline? How many have made mistake after mistake and because of the fear of making another mistake and maybe people saying, well, look at that person, failed again. You do not do anything. How many parents have you heard of, and especially today when you hear about this thing is bad for a child, that thing is bad for a child, this place, don't let them play outside, don't let them get around this, you know, and, and don't let them have this or have that. It's too dangerous. And they get so paranoid that they overprotect their child. And don't let their child be a child. I know of a preacher. His brother had epilepsy and, and a form of epilepsy that he, you know, he had difficulty as a child uh, doing things because he'd just kind of black out. You know, he'd, he'd have this, this, uh, this problem. Well, it got better as he grew older, but as a child, his mother decided and told the other children said you know this may happen out on playground it may happen when he's with some other kids it may happen at this or that I'm not going to be paranoid so that I don't let him enjoy life I have a choice and so I'm going to let him do these things and enjoy life whatever comes may come yes I will Try to be the best parent I can be, but I'm going to let that child have a full life. And he did. The preacher tells us that we have to live confidently. We're not able to, uh, we're not to hide because life doesn't always cooperate with us. We are not to avoid blessings that God has for us because of the concerns that come with those blessings. But what if? What if? You hear this all the time. And in churches, we do it, don't we? We play the same game. Well, what if? What if? Some of us are more analytical than others. I know that I, I am probably, and we can overanalyze things. What if? And so we have to guard against that. We have to work through that. That's something that you have a body of believers to help you with because a lot of those have all kinds of gifts, right? 
And, and many of them uh, don't operate with that analytical type of thinking. And so you cooperate, you work together as a body, and you move forward. So he tells us to, first of all, live fearlessly in a life that you cannot control. Live fearlessly. Now, how in the world can you do that? He says, cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Now, he's not talking about going out there and throwing bread out on the water and hoping to find it after a few days, after it's become heavy and sunk, which most of it does. So what does he mean? He says, what does it mean by living fearlessly in a world that you can't control? It means having vulnerability. Being vulnerable. Practice being vulnerable. Now, some commentators uh, think that this verse is dealing with philanthropy. They believe the preacher is telling us to be generous in giving to the poor. And that's fine. I mean, we should be. We certainly should do that. Other interpreta- interpret- interpreters of the verse interpret it as it being a uh, dealing with a prudent his, uh, industry. And that's fine. But the best interpretation seems to be to engage in international trade. This verse deals with doing business in grain. And it's kind of like a proverb. And it, it was an old saying in Solomon's day. And it's, it's referred to putting your grain on a ship and having it set sail to be traded. Casting it upon the waters, in other words. Your harvest, your crop, sending it off so that it can be sold. And hopefully, you will soon see the sales of dividends returning. It says, finding it after many days. So, one could keep the grain, couldn't they? And make bread, but that would be safe for them. And they could retain control of the grain just for so long until they ate it up. That would be all that you'd have. Or you could put it in a bag and watch mold grow around it. We got smart about that. We didn't put bread like that, but when we were off at college, nobody wanted to share in the duties, so we got smart, and my cousin and I saying, we'll, we'll get a whole slab of, of uh, bologna. And we'll make bologna sandwiches for the rest of the semester. And we put that bologna in the refrigerator. And it began to grow all kinds of things all over Instead, don't store it up. Don't hoard it. Don't try protecting it when you need to release it, he's saying. Man, we need to release our lives, our ministries. Our gifts, our talents. Instead, if we put it on a ship, and hopefully it, you know, uh, he says, if, if you'll do this, instead you will get financial return that you need to keep on going. Sure, there are risks about it. I mean, such as the ship may wreck, and there may be unscrupulous traders, and even pirates. But that comes with business, doesn't it? Or should I say with life? 
Nothing ventured, nothing gained. He is telling us that the reward comes with taking the risk of a wise investment. Now, could you imagine the Apostle Paul if he said there was going to be too much risk for him to go on his missionary journeys? And I, I just don't think the Gentiles need to hear it. There's just too much involved there. And my, my life is involved here and my health. And so I'm not going to go. Could you imagine that happening? We are to handle our spiritual business the same way as the preacher is talking about here that he's giving us this proverb. What we invest in the kingdom of God should be invested courageously or fearlessly. We should be living it fearlessly. Our times, our talent, our treasure is never wasted. It's to be given unto the Lord. You may say, well, you know, I didn't bring back the dividends I thought I would. Well, you brought back dividends, though, by going out and doing it for the Lord. It's never wasted. If we want blessings that God loves to give, we need to exercise faith. I'm talking about me and every one of us. This involves being vulnerable. It involves trusting God. There are a lot of risks involved. But the rewards are great. It is a courageous faith that we're to have. Just because we can't control life doesn't mean we are to go and hide and do nothing. We are to live fearlessly, trusting God. Not worrying about what somebody might think. Not worrying about whether we'll fail or not. We're going to fail. How have these multi-millionaires made their money? Not by living so cautiously that they don't get out and try something and even lose while trying at times. I did not say to live foolishly. What I did say is to live fearlessly. So what are we to do? What does this involve? Well, the second thing is we must invest wisely. Invest in life wisely. He says in verse 2, divide your portion to seven or even to eight for you do not know what misfortune may occur on earth. Solomon is warning us to divide our portion. He, portion he's talking about diversification. This is what we mean when we use the expression, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Or don't get, gamble everything away on one roll of dice. You've heard that. One of the main reasons for adopting this strategy is you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Now, with this, we are to be bold, but the wise because... But we're to be wise because, uh, in everything that we do. It doesn't mean that we're to just act foolishly. The preacher is reminding us again of the mysteries of the future and, and the many misfortunes of life like war and 
pestilence and famine and financial uh, collapse. And so what he's telling us is if we are wise, we will invest wisely. Hopefully, if one investment doesn't, uh, does poorly, then it will be counterbalanced by another source of revenue that is doing somewhat better. Now, how does this work with the spiritual business of God's kingdom? Rather than holding on to what we have, hoarding it all for ourselves, whether it be our gifts, whether it be our talents, whether it be our finances, whatever it is, we are to devote ourselves wisely and invest wisely in many different ways. We, uh, we're told about the man with one talent in Matthew 25, 24 through 28, who hid it. God invites us to venture or to be uh, capitalists for the kingdom of God. This is not exclusively or even primarily about money. It's about having the holy boldness to do seven or more things to spread the gospel and then waiting for God's ship to come in. In other words, having many ministries for the kingdom of God. Some of the things we do may fail or seem to fail. It may be a ministry that we're involved in. It may be a church plant. It may be efforts to share the good news of the cross we should never stop investing with the gospel in as many places as we can and in as many ways as we think that might work we need to remember that with every ministry and effort with every ministry and effort comes an offer for the Holy Spirit to use our lives, our ministry to save lost souls and to help mature saved ones. That's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work. Now, if we're not going to do anything, then what are we doing? We're not giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work through us, are we? So what do we do? Realizing we can't control life, pursue life regardlessly. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls towards the south or towards the north, what, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow. He's just standing there. And he who looks at the clouds will not reap. You see, some people, including Christians, have completely different attitudes towards business and ministry. Some do not want to take a risk for they might make a mistake and we we don't take risks with our ministries we don't take risks with our money at times and I'm, I'm talking about wisely they keep waiting until conditions are perfect before they do the work God is calling them to do I have to watch out for this if you're an analyti analytical person you have to watch out for this the preacher tells us that the rain falls sometimes on the field and sometimes it doesn't on the field a tree may fall on your property, and then again it may not. Both are blessings. You see, the rain helps a crop grow. The trees can be used for firewood. So Solomon is telling us 
that we may get them and we may not get them. That is a way of life. If we wait for the perfect condition, though, we will never invest in life. If we fail to invest in life wisely and give generously, we will never do any productive spiritual work. And we will yield or we will not yield increase to the kingdom harvest. There is nothing the farmer can do about uh, either the rain or the trees. These natural and seemingly random events are far outside the personal control. The one thing that the farmer can do is sow and harvest his crops. He can do that. The picture of this farmer is one where he's just standing there and not doing anything though. He's waiting and watching the wind and the clouds and uh, for uh, farming the fields and he's just waiting for the perfect timing. The implication is that he's waiting, uh, trying to guess when can safely, he can safely cast his seed or harvest his grain. When is the safest time? Ecclesiastes does tell us there is a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. In chapter 3 verse 2. But this farmer is apparently not sure what time it is. Instead of getting on with his work, he keeps hoping for better conditions. Not doing anything. Man cannot tell what will come from any event in life. So how do we respond when things seem to be out of control, out of our control, and when we have reason to fear that something bad could happen? How many people are not going to go to foreign fields because their families are afraid that something bad might happen to them? Or send them out two by twos to witness because something bad might happen. Somebody might say something or somebody might do something. Man cannot tell what will come from any event. So how do we respond when things seem to be out of control? Do we get paralyzed with fear? Some do. We do at times. Do we procrastinate? Yeah, we do. We can always find some plausible excuse for delay can't we I can maybe the weather will be better tomorrow maybe the weather will be better next Sunday and I'll come to church maybe I'll have more in my pocket next week and I'll give towards God's ministry Did the unpredictable keep Paul, as I said earlier, from following through with the calling from God? Just think for a moment. He wanted to take the gospel to Rome. But instead, he couldn't get there. But when he was uh, arrested after a riot, they put him in a ship and took him to Rome. Along the way, the ship wrecked in a storm. And Paul was bitten by a snake on Malta. Finally, he got to Rome and testified to officials about Jesus Christ. He fulfilled his dream, but maybe not the way that he thought he would. By being a subject 
of a riot, then getting locked up, thrown on the ship, caught in a storm, tore the ship to pieces, the storm did, being bitten by a snake, he finally got to Rome. How many of us would have given up? I probably would have. These are not perfect conditions. God will get us to our destination if we will allow him to. But in route, be assured he will make sure that you will go through things that will also force you to depend upon him and grow in Christ. We have to learn to let the chips fall where they may. We're to learn to live boldly and let God be the God of grace. If we sink, so be it. Learn to sink gracefully by trusting God and praying. How many missionaries have gone to the mission field and been killed before they even got to share the word of God? Rather than watching the wind and the clouds, imagining all the difficulties and waiting for better circumstances, we should try and do what we can, whatever God has given us in life to do. Pursue the dream you believe that God has given for you and your calling. Get involved in ministry. Show mercy to someone in need. Start a friendship with a neighbor. Pray that God will use that relationship to, to lead that neighbor to Christ. Start a, you know, a, a Bible study group. Do not hold back because of fear. Step out in faith, not faith that, uh, that your own efforts produce, that you de depend upon your own efforts to succeed alone, but that faith that uses your efforts by trusting in God. Derek Kidner states, It is better to fail in launching out than in hugging one's resources to oneself. Peter found that out, didn't he, when he got out of the ship? He sank. Everybody talks about, well, Peter, oh, you have a little faith. But he got out of the ship, didn't he? None of the others did. When it comes to kingdom work, we should always be venture capitalists. Willing to take risks for the glory of God. Now, this is preaching to me, people. It usually does. As much as you. I've had to put up with it longer than you, though, the whole week. The duty is ours. The results are God's. Get involved in life and pursue the things that can be changed. Give attention, though, to the things out of the ordinary. Actively pursue those things, which leads to the last two verses. And I know it's almost time. Don't watch. look at your watches, please, because you'll lose concentration. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life. I got fed uh, well last night, so I can go an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> just, just as you do not know the path of the wind and how the bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Now, that's a good verse also for what? Anti-abortion, right? Yeah. Pro-life. Sow your seed in the morning and do not... Be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Life is unpredictable, in other words, and mysterious at times, just like the wind. Trust courageously. It's the last point. Jesus paraphrased a verse when talking with Nicodemus. You remember that? The wind blows where it wishes, and 
you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit in John 3, 8. So many times we're going on in the world and we have no clue as to what God is doing. You ever been there? Done that? What we have to do is trust Him courageously. He's one who makes and sustains all things. Many believers will freeze because they don't know what God wants them to do. And this is tough. They suffer from the paralysis of analysis, as I talked about. When facing decisions in their life, these people want God to tell them exactly what the choices shall be. I do at times, don't you? Now I say, there is a difference between right and wrong decisions and right and left decisions. Did you hear me? Right and wrong and right and left. We're not talking about political. In the Bible, God always refers to moral choices, decisions where one path leads to sin and the other to righteousness. For these right or wrong decisions, we can know the will of God because where is it found? In the Word of God. But for the right or left decisions, God's not under any obligation to just come right out and draw you a plan for your life, is He? We have to trust Him, don't we? Trust Him courageously. Oh, yes, according to God's Word and how we're living and, and trying to seek out God and please God, whether it's with a, a partner in life or, or what business or, or whatever it might be. But we have to pray and we have to go ahead with it. That is why we must be bold and act. God wants us to trust Him as we walk through life. That does not mean making decisions without prayer and knowing His Word. But it does mean making decisions, believing that God is moving you in the direction. Too often we as believers are looking for a no-fault deal, right? We meet people in the Bible that operate like that, like in 2 Kings 1, uh, 2 through 3. But God has told us our duty, so we are to learn to courageously trust Him. Instead of withdrawing, let the uncertainties of life make you move by faith towards God. Just like the mysteries of the child being formed in the mother's womb and the path of the wind, path of the wind, we don't understand all the mysteries about the activities of God, do we? The mysteries of creation, providence of God. I mean, just imagine people. We, how much, how little we do know. In 2004, the Hubble Space Telescope photograph of a tiny sliver of um, uh, space uh, through prolonged exposures, they said, that lasted for more than 11 days. The astronomers counted the number of galaxies in the photograph. And in that l one little subsection of the universe, there were 10 thousand galaxies each containing 100 billion stars that blows my mind I don't know about you but that's just one small section who can explain how all those stars came into being the whole universe is full of mysteries and and what God does in our lives is no less mysterious at times why did he take just for instance, why did he take something that we never wanted or that we wanted to have and give it to somebody else? Why did our prayers go unanswered 
and our dreams go unfulfilled at times, or so it seems. And then there are mysteries that surround the work of the church in other ways. Why does the gospel spread faster in one place than another? Why does one or two churches in a community at times sometimes seem to expand with growth like you can't believe when all the other churches show little or no expansion? Now, especially, I'm not talking about when they're not doing anything. But especially when the churches are trying to do ministry and doing work and being faithful and praying. Why does that happen? You see it all the time. I remember in Rome when, when West Rome was growing so and all the other churches weren't except maybe one other one. Garden Lakes was growing a little bit but not as rapidly as West Rome. Why not? These other preachers were preaching the word and being faithful. Just like West Strong. What happened? Why? Why does it seem that the suffering church seems to produce more spiritual fruit than other churches? Especially here in the West. What on earth is God doing in other words? We must acknowledge that we do not understand God's ways. We don't understand the mysteries of God. Now this doesn't mean that we should be unfaithful. It means that we should be more faithful says, sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Some people use mysteries of God as an excuse for giving up on their work and holding back on their witness. It is true that we do not know all the mysteries of God, but it is also true you will never reap if you don't. So, amen? And I'm going to cut it short here. I want to share a story with you. Luke Short, S-H-O-R-T, that was his name, lived to be 106. At 103, he was sitting under a hedge in Virginia when he happened to remember a sermon that had once been preached by the famous Puritan John Flavel. As he recalled the sermon, he asked Jesus to forgive his sins through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Flavel lived three more years to be 106. And when he died, the following words were inscribed on his tombstone. Here lies a babe in grace, aged three years, who died according to nature, aged 106. But that's not just the only part of the story. The remarkable part about it is the sermon that Mr. Short remembered had been preached 85 years earlier. Back in England, he heard it. Nearly a century had passed between Flavel's sermon and Short's conversion between the sowing and the reaping. Awesome, isn't it? Mysterious, isn't it? 
But God is God, and we are his creation. We are not the creator. So we're to cast our bread upon the waters, be involved in ministry in many ways as possible. Get involved. Don't waste a day for the Lord. Rise early. Start sowing the seed and and evening. Don't withhold anything. What God will do, you may never know and see this side of heaven. But you will never reap if you don't sow. Let's bow our heads and pray.